0: Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining the phone, I got Vance. Hi, Vance. Good evening. Good evening to you. We also have our guest, Brian Klein. Hi, Brian. Hello. Hello. We'll be talking to you a little bit after we uh, get through these here sponsors. So, uh, big thanks to Fatty Z Muskie Products. com is the website. Uh, you can check out all the rod holders that we have available there. I don't really have any baits up. Uh, I am very close when I say very close I'm saying like in a week or so musky tackle online will have their latest shipment of our six inch raptors eight inch raptors eight inch soft tails they're not getting any tens this time but they did add a new bait line which was our glide bait the stinger Uh, they're gonna I think have like six colors or something like that I have to look at the paper but Uh, You can expect to see some of those there here in the next few weeks, just in time for this uh, hopefully cool weather that's going to be coming, you know, September's 10th. Well, not recently, but September has the hopefulness of being cooler than this past summer. Um, But with that setting up boats, I'm still setting up a lot of boats. Almost every day I'm getting uh, people asking how to fit this, how to fit that recommendations. And uh, I have no problem recommending a competitor's thing if I feel it's a better setup for you. So, um, I'm not just here trying to push our stuff, though I do feel there's huge advantages with our rod holders over anyone else. Uh, if you don't believe me, just ask me and I'll tell you and I'll give you the reasons why. And um, let's just say uh, with, I'm good with that. Vance, Muddy Creek.
1: Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com gives a call. My 2021 books are open uh, and booking up. So, just give us a call if you know when you're going to be coming up uh, in 2021. Going to be doing some fishing in Pennsylvania, uh, April and May. Uh, But it's pretty much wrapped up here at Chautauqua. Um,
0: Todd and I are are booked. In terms of being booked, not the season? Yeah. Okay. But, you
1: know, just call us. There's some people that cancel here and there. Um, But uh, just... Give us a call. Check us out. Thanks for keeping us booked, and uh, we appreciate it, every one of you. Um, Vicks Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. Appreciate them for sponsoring the show. Uh, Big shout-out to Ranger Boats for sponsoring the show and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. Um, And that will be it.
0: Except for Muskies, Inc. We talk about it all the time. Um, it is very important. Uh, join your local chapter, uh, with, by joining, you get the cool things. Like you get the free calendar, you get the, uh, bi-monthly, bi-monthly. That means every two months, not every, not twice a month. Anyways, you get six magazines a year and that's pretty cool. You can look through it and it gives a little, uh, updates on all the chapters, what they're up to. Uh, you give access to the lunge log. Uh, you know, we've, beat this horse a lot but it's important i've had friends that looked it up and you know they've actually utilized that stuff to have a starting point on some new waters um you know we've had jared on many times talking about you know the donations that muskies inc our local chapters have done uh with helping stock the muskies all of this is made possible by like a 45 five dollar a year um membership and this is this is good stuff. It unites us, and together we are stronger. So be a member of Muskie's, Inc. All right. Brian, do you have anything you want to plug?
2: Um, I guess you can find me on social media, and the Klein Outdoors. Um, there's a couple different Klein Outdoors apparently nowadays, but uh, <laughs> Brian J. Klein on Facebook and Klein Outdoors, you'll see all the musky stuff and the snow goose stuff and the wild edible mushroom stuff uh you can't miss me i guess look me up there and uh if you're looking to get out fishing uh get a hold of me we do have some cancellation dates coming up but this year with the covid uh the schedule's been changing uh almost daily so if you want to get out fishing uh get a hold of me and we'll find a trip that uh fits what you're looking for
0: excellent excellent all right so Pretty much my, uh, you know, me knowing you has been the 10 minutes of show prep and just right now. Um, you know, we tend to start... let me tell you
1: that Andy was not happy when I said we were having you on and he found a different social media page. <laughs> I and I, I,
0: I, yes, I, I, I wouldn't say I was not happy, but it was, there was some confusion as you told me one and I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's four people on this page. Which one do we have? <laughs> and you, you kept saying Brian. I'm like, there is no Brian in this description.
2: Yeah, yeah. That I, I just saw that page the other day. He started following me. I never, I never knew it was out there. But uh, I would imagine there's a couple other Klein Outdoors out there somewhere. I'm headed to Wisconsin, but I, I travel all over too. So and I do a lot of different things. So uh,
1: you do it all.
2: You do yeah. it all. Yep. And, and I, no off season for me.
0: I like oh, it. You always got to stay busy. oh yeah so um all right let's let's um i heard that let's let's start out here because it's you know there's not a day off for you You're full four seasons going but let's let's get a little bit of background here so people can kind of you know see where you're coming from you know what got you into the out of doors you know starting you know with what you can remember and stuff like that let's let's work through those
2: you know, I I've been in the outdoors and hunting and fishing, um, you know, as long as I can remember. My dad was a big outdoorsman. He was uh, he was into fishing. He was a big uh, big upland bird guy. So my whole life, you know, he, I've been hunting and fishing with him. Um, we still try to get out whenever we can. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, bluegill fishing in the local ponds. Um, you know, he used to take me out to the family farm in Iowa. We did a lot of bird hunting. We raised bird dogs from the get-go. Um, he was never a musky guy, but uh, we did a lot of fishing together and still do. Um, I've had him out on the boat a couple times. He's, he's got some muskies now as well, so it's enjoyable to have me get him into something that, you know, he with a foundation that he set for me in the outdoors, it's nice to be able to get him out and show him some of my stuff that I'm passionate about, you know, the musky and the snow goose stuff. and. Um, you know the spring I'm doing wild edible mushrooms you know I learned that from my great uncle and my dad when I started as a young kid and everything I did I just kind of got really into and as, uh, as I grew up I started doing more and more hunting and fishing and when I went away to college I, uh, you know I met a lot of new people and I realized that a lot of the things that maybe I took for granted in the outdoors you know just going out in the evening and going to a trail stream and figuring out how to catch them and it's things like that that a lot of people didn't maybe know how to do or didn't have that exposure growing up so that's kind of how Klein Outdoors started it it started as a just kind of a part-time hey I'm going to be hunting and fishing anyways there's a lot of people that want to go I should uh, try to get some side income doing this and uh, you know over the years it's morphed and grown into what it is today You know, I run a snow goose business um, down in Arkansas with two of my best friends as well, um, Snow Addictions. So we've got a lot of different things going at different times of year. That's one of the things I always wanted to do was to capitalize on what's best at that time of year. You know, I didn't want to be a a musky guy, year round. I didn't want to have to try to force it when maybe uh, conditions weren't ideal. So I've always been the variety guy you know i like upland bird hunting i like waterfowling. and i do some big game stuff we do a lot of different kinds of fishing so it's always been important for me to be in the outdoors i mean i, I couldn't imagine doing anything else
0: okay let's that was a mouthful so we're gonna have to pick this one apart let's let's start back to you know so it sounds like your your roots and fishing were just like most other kids you didn't you know your your first fishing experience wasn't you know throwing big giant jerk baits for muskies so when did you start like leaning towards the muskie fishing at what you know about what age
2: you know i was first exposed to to muskies um our family took a vacation up to northern wisconsin on the eagle river chain and uh, my dad and i were out um pulling crawler harnesses for walleyes, and and i hooked up and i remember thinking you know this is this has got to be a, you know, it's an absolute giant walleye. This is way better than any other walleye I've ever caught. Well, it turned out to be, I mean, a baby muskie. I don't, you know, the thing was probably thirty inches. But, but I remember thinking, you know, I'm out here. I just thought that was the greatest fish in the world. What does a 50 incher feel like, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of when I, I started looking into doing more musky fishing, and I. I clue where to start and and neither did my dad he wasn't a musky guy you know I started catching muskies on you know medium heavy spinning rods throwing nuts, just like a lot of people did and uh, I kind of did that you know as I grew up and was a teenager and back home I grew up near you know Pewaukee and Okachi which have some great um you know musky populations there so I was doing more and more of a musky fishing but I didn't really Become a musky fisherman until I got out of college, and I moved back to the east side of Wisconsin. You know, there isn't a whole lot in the southwest corner where I went to school, um, and I and I would do it occasionally. But when I really kind of converted to becoming a musky guy it was when I got back from school, and I it, that's just that's what tripped my trigger. And I I'm a troller. I like trolling muskies the best. Um, you know, I no problem casting, and I enjoy that too as a change of pace. But but my my favorite is just trolling. If I control big muskies, that's I'm happy
0: okay so you do you think any of that that you know how you like to fish them now had anything to do with how you caught your first one? You know not really, but
2: but i when I started trying to figure out the busky game, I was doing a lot of trolling by myself on Pewaukee and um and I had a lot of success doing it and back at the and when I started doing that, Pewaukee was a different lake um. You know, we didn't have the zebra muscles that we do now, so there was a a real defined weed line, and it. it just set up really well for trolling. And and when that drag goes off, that that's just that to me was always the peak excitement. And uh so I've just i oh, it's always been my preference. I I live for that. I love that when the when the rod goes off, that's my favorite. Um, you know, I, I like it when they eat at your feet casting as well as. So, to me when that rod goes off, that's my favorite. The science behind it, you know, putting the bait in the zone, driving the boat, keeping your baits where they need to be and and just dialing in that pattern uh, that's that's my favorite
0: Nice and awesome. when did uh you know when did you get your first boat? Well, I got my first boat from my grandpa. he gave me a, a you know a
2: fourteen foot mirror craft, and you know it was your standard. Basically, rowboat with a 9.9 Merc on it. And uh, my dad helped me fix it up. You know, I, I put kind of a, a makeshift floor in it, and we repainted it white instead of the hideous teal blue that it came. And uh, that was my first solo boat. And uh, at the time, my dad had a, a, a Crestliner fishing ski as well that we kind of rebuilt, <laughs> and we did some fishing out of that, too. Um, but that Mirrorcraft was, was kind of my first boat.
0: About how old were you when you got that?
2: Uh, I would have been probably right around eighteen when I got my first. Actually, my boat.
0: And I, I assumed you had something. Was Was this like you jammed it in the bed of the truck, or did you actually have a trailer? And, and you. This were... was a
2: trailer. It was like a tilt bed trailer. You know, I always had canoes around and stuff like that. But as far as my own boat that I would trailer, it was that
1: aircraft.
0: Okay, and then. Did that like open doors for you? Like now you have the freedom not, you know, you might have some boat flipped over on some bank, you know, some shoreline of some lake somewhere. But now that you you're mobile, you you can Yeah. I mean, was was that like a big turning point for you?
1: Yeah, it,
2: it was. And it was it was a big learning experience too, you know. I mean, a lot of the things that you know, when you first get your first boat, um, there's a lot of things that you learn real quick that you should and shouldn't do. And that learning curve, uh, it happens quick and it's pretty sharp. And and I learned a lot in those first couple of years on the water. And, uh, you know, that sets the stage for growing for and moving up to bigger boats and, and more power.
0: And do you, okay, so you had that, that mirror craft. Do you still have it?
2: I don't. I uh, I actually sold it to uh, a friend of mine. Had a young kid that was was struggling trying to get into fishing. You know, didn't have a lot of money. Didn't really have any opportunity. And and my buddy was willing to drive the kid around with the boat. So I I sold him that boat dirt cheap. I sold it to him just enough that I didn't feel like I gave it away, but I wanted him to have that opportunity to fish out of it. So I don't have it anymore now.
0: Okay. Do you have any regrets?
2: No, no, I don't. I, I've got too much stuff laying around between all my hunting equipment and fishing equipment. You know, my yard looks like a, like a hunting lot.
0: <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, I imagine that you've since moved on in on, in, you know, with your boats and stuff like that. Like you may have gone through several others, but what, what are you ultimately on right now?
2: Uh, right now I'm on a, a Lund Pro V 1900 SE, um, and I love it. I love the setup, but I am going to be upgrading to a new boat soon. Um, I'm ready for the full windshield. This is a single console, and I've beat myself up out there on the big water for years and wet rides and everything else. I'm I'm ready to to move on to the comfort of a full windshield.
0: You're going to be an old man now.
2: Yeah, I am, I, and I'm okay with it. Anybody who's seen me out on the water and the nastiest stuff knows that that I have no fear and, and, and I can be as uncomfortable as the next, but i'm ready for uh, i'm ready for a new boat
1: so, okay, what are you looking at okay.
2: you know i i don't know um, I, I really have just kind of started looking around. I really like the new lawn stuff but i'm uh you know i 'm an aluminum boat guy i I break a lot of ice, I fish all year. Um, I fish some some big water, I fish small water, so you know I'm not afraid to pull the boat up on shore and rock. And so aluminum is the ticket for me. I think it's uh you know, I think it's probably going to be a big blonde or uh you know, maybe a kingfisher, but I've got to do some more research. I haven't found to be honest, I haven't found exactly what I want, and I'm not sure it's out there, but uh you know, I I'm, I'm starting to look.
0: Welcome to boat buying or boat ownership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So, all right. What 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 do you normally run your your charter trips like? So, I want to go fishing for musky. What what dates do you tend to start fishing and kind of end of, <laughs> on fishing? Because you do a lot. Yeah, most of my musky fishing
2: stuff starts in May. Um, you know, our northern zone. Uh, opener which is also encompasses green bay um that's usually the uh saturday before memorial day so usually towards the end of may you know our southern zone opens the first week of may but at that point in the year i'm still pretty busy doing the mushroom thing and doing turkey hunts. so i usually start towards the end of may and uh i'll be running trips off and on for up through the end of the year um december 31st is when our southern zone closes and by then most of our stuff has froze up there's a, a couple options that are usually still open at the end of the season but it gets pretty brutal so i would say uh end of may through december is the bulk of my season but as we get into fall um I, it, it's spotty you know i make i may do muskies for a week and then not you know i'm in the dakotas chasing snow geese and so um, the fall is a little bit less consistent. Um, all of June, July, August, September is pretty much beyond the water.
0: Okay, side question here, because I don't want to derail too much. I've heard mm-hmm. you talk about Arkansas, Dakotas, Iowa, Wisconsin. How many miles do you put on your truck a year?
2: <laughs> well, I have two vehicles that I travel with. I've got uh got an f-250 and i've got a subaru and um if i can take the subaru i do you know if i don't need to haul the boat or if i don't need to um, haul the big trailer i cruise around in that subaru but uh, i usually drive about a hundred thousand miles a year
0: okay i gotta ask you does a subaru have a coexist bumper sticker on the back
2: <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't but okay. you know it's... i it would fit right in if it did
0: okay because typically that's where you uh that, that's yeah. a trademark there. But okay, so...
2: I, I, get, I get a lot of grief for it, but I'll tell you, it, it really has been the best uh, you know, travel vehicle for me. I mean, you can put a, a nine-foot-six musky rod in it, you can put four dog crates in the back, and you can pile 200 dead snow geese in the back of the thing. So
1: <laughs> it's, been,
2: uh, it's been really good for me, and it'll go anywhere.
0: Well, okay. 100,000 miles a year, that's a lot of is, driving, yeah. especially yeah. when you're trying to hunt and fish all the time.
2: Yeah, I don't really uh, you know, driving doesn't bother me, distance doesn't bother me. I try to be um in the best position and the best places uh when I can be. So, you know, I do a lot of migratory bird hunting as well and, and if the birds are right somewhere, um I'm
1: going to go. So
0: that's I, we're going to talk more about that later. I want to I want to so, stay on musky. What's that, Vance?
1: So you are uh are you following the musky bite as well? You know, uh, what What ends up happening for me is I
2: to plan a couple trips uh, just to maybe new water that I want to try or with friends that I want to go visit. And I try to kind of plan that around traditionally, yeah, I guess good bites. Um, and, and part of that too is here in Wisconsin in July, a lot of our July, our water's, uh, you know, pretty unfishable. I, I don't like to push it, you know, if the water temps, are are 78 and up i I really try not to fish that so um a lot of my july is spent out west uh utah washington because uh, their water just it tends to warm up later utah a little warmer than washington but um you know washington in the in the middle of july this year was you know upper 60 degree water and back home in wisconsin you know we had 83 and 84 degree surface temps um on my local water so Part of that is I try to take advantage of, of those regional temperature ranges as well.
0: So you're obviously pulling your boat with your with your truck from Wisconsin out to. Washington. I did not
2: take it out to Washington. I, I normally do go out to Utah with the boat for a while. Um, this year, to go out to Washington, I was I was kind of planning on taking the boat. And I was going to go out there for a couple weeks. Um, with all the COVID stuff, that kind of got uh rearranged i ended up just going out there Uh, my buddy ryan lives on lake taps right in washington there and uh he's got a boat there so i went out with him and uh we fished out of his boat for 10 days he went to work during the week and and i fished and when he got off of work i picked him up at the dock and we went and fished some more so uh, sometimes i take the boat sometimes i don't
0: okay and when you were doing utah Like, are you running guide trips, or like when you're doing this, or is this just fishing for fun? No,
2: Utah's just fun fishing. Um, Utah has kind of a unique situation there, where um, kind of some of that water that's National Forest Service, so it's uh, they don't really issue any guiding permits for it. So, I mean, that's something that I know a lot of people would like to do. Um, but I uh, don't guide Utah for tigers at all. That's just fun fishing. Um, I've got a lot of friends out there that I like to go out and visit and we just do some fun fishing. Um, so I, you know, those Utah trips are usually, you know, this year I didn't take my boat out there. I just went out there and fished with friends. Um, in years past, I've taken my boat out there for a week as a vacation.
0: Okay. So you take a little summer break, summer vacation from fishing to go fishing.
2: That's right. Yep.
0: (laughs) What, what have you noticed while we're on the topic of heading out West to these tigers? How do you find the tigers are different from fishing the pure strains?
2: You know, there's a, there, I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot different. I mean, um, a lot of, I guess in general, those tigers prefer a little smaller baits, but, but I would compare them to kind of your traditional Midwest muskie. Um, You know, southern Wisconsin, Green Bay, you know, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. There's a lot of of small bay trolling that works well. Um, It seems like a lot of those tigers uh, seem to like real bright colors. Um, But overall, uh, you know, they're not a whole lot different. I think think as more musky fishermen are targeting them, there's a lot more crossover. Um, You know, there's not a lot. There's not as much. Um, what I'm going to call musky knowledge out West. Um, there's, there's a, a few select guys out there that are really doing well and are, are doing a good job of helping educate. Um, I belong to chapter 65 mountain Muskie West. We're a, a Muskie thing chapter in Utah. And um, you know, they're doing a lot of great things, a lot of great education, uh, working with the DWR on tagging and growth studies. And so we're still learning a lot more about those tigers and their populations and their life expectancies and growth rates and everything like that. So, um, but compared to regular muskies, I, I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot different. Um, you know, maybe a little smaller on the bait side, but I'm used to that anyways. You know, a lot of that's similar here in the Midwest.
0: Like when you say smaller in the bait size, are you talking. Instead of running eight inch baits, you're running six inch baits or instead of <laughs> yeah,
2: six yeah, you know, join the baby depth raiders, uh, you know, eight inch believers, um, you know, twenty two shorts, twenty two longs, stuff like that. Uh, you know, your your smaller baits. I you know, we certainly get some bigger stuff bit, you know, certainly they'll eat a perch bait, but overall, um they're eating those smaller four to I'm gonna say four to eight inch crankbaits.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you, you, like, do anything different when you're fishing for them as as compared to, like, what you do on Green Bay? Are you still going the same speed, you're doing the same spread, or is it tailored?
2: You know, it varies a little bit by the water and the conditions. Um, A lot of those western um, bodies of water are reservoirs, so so that water level fluctuation is a big deal. Um, Like Pine View, where I fish in Utah, um, I usually visit my buddy Joe Wisner out there and stay with him. And we do a lot of fishing. He comes to the Green Bay and fishes with me. But those, that, that reservoir, as the season goes on, they're drawing water out of there to irrigate the farmlands for, you know, the Salt Lake Valley to water their lawns. So, you know, the beginning of the season, you're fishing brush and treetops and, and these weedy back bays. And as the season goes on, they're pulling water out of there to to provide to the valley. So that ends up just being a big old sand bowl. So, you know, what you're doing, it, it changes rapidly. I mean, it you know, as that water level drops, the bait moves out and so do those fish. So, you know, earlier in the year, you've got a lot of structure options, um, you know, your your typical shoreline stuff. know there's brush and wood and trees and then as the season goes on you know you're fishing break lines and then as those as that water level comes down and the place shrinks you know you're moving out to open water and those fish are staged up on bait so it it really depends on uh, the time of year but as far as speed goes um on green bay we're typically trolling a little slower than most of the other areas it seems like the green Bay sweet spot is like that three two to three six range for the most part, As the tigers were typically trolling those around four miles an hour, give or take
0: that's that's not hmm. the answer I was it's expecting. I was expecting yeah. you know the four four and a half five like most most everyone I talk to at least when they're when they're trolling summertime stuff, yeah, a lot of guys
2: are you know I'm I, overall i'm traditionally a, a slower troller than most um and, and i do that in a lot of areas and i i've you know a lot of people troll faster than me I, I would say in general i'm i'm on the slower spectrum of trolling i'm typically you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna drop baits down um, most of the time in the summer i'm gonna start at three five and work up from there you know i know a lot of guys are going to start faster but um i get a lot of my biggest bites under four miles an hour
1: and it, you um, you mentioned you were using believers and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Believers are meant to go a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep. No doubt about it. To get there, their true action.
2: Yeah, uh, I, uh, it's not very often that I'm trolling somewhere where I can have a multi line spread that I don't have one out. So.
1: Right. Right. Very interesting. So, um, also. When you're out there in that colder water, um, you know I could see your slower speed uh, being productive as well. Um, but you're running full you're running guide trips on a lake in Washington, um, Washington State, correct? Nope, I don't guide out there at all. Nope. Or is that in Oregon?
2: Uh, I don't guide out, out west at all. That's all just fun fishing for me. Just fun, um, okay. 'Cause you know we really- I, I may offer something in the future, but at mm-hmm. at the moment I'm not offering anything out there. It's just too far.
1: Yeah. It's uh you know, following up on your most recent uh social media, it's just absolutely gorgeous. You got Mount Rainier in the background. Um and you're sitting there holding big muskies. Um how's the uh the tiger fishing just seems to be getting better and better over there. Um, And the fish are getting bigger. I'm going to speak on that at all, what you've noticed over the past couple of years.
2: Yeah. So Washington, um, (laughs) I don't normally go out there. This is the first year I went out there. Um, Buddy of mine, Ryan Elizondo, he lives out there and uh, he's a Midwest transplant. And so, you know, he comes from a, a pure blood musky background as well. So, um, I went out there and visited him this year, and we had a lot of fun. And we caught fish doing a lot of different things. Um, we got on a really good blade bite over weeds, trolling blades. Um, that was a lot of fun. Those those Washington Tigers, the Washington program versus the Utah program is a little different. Um, most of Utah, they're stocking those as fry. So when you see a lot of those Utah fish, you know, they're gorgeous, they're clean, you know, they're they're really beautiful, and they're well-built. Uh, Washington is stocking, you know, fingerlings, so anywhere from 12 inches to 20 inches. So a lot of those Washington fish, you're seeing, you know, beat-up tails and that type of thing, and it's actually from those, those young fish eating themselves in the hatcheries. So it's a little different program. Um, that cooler water in Washington, it seems like... Um, those fish are, are growing a little slower than they do in Utah. Utah gets a little warmer water. Those fish are blowing up fast. They grow fast, they die young, but they get big, you know, um, every year on Pineview, you know, there, there's a 50 or a couple fifties caught every year. It's, uh, whereas in, in Washington, those fish are for the most part topping out in the upper forties, um. You know, there's there's been some 50 inches caught, but but overall, they're a little shorter, um, but they're really well built. And, and the builds on the fish in, in both Utah and Washington are are getting really good. And I think that as more people are are becoming aware and getting into tiger muskie fishing, they're going to be seeing a lot more of that, uh, you know, growth. They're putting more back into it. Utah's stocking program is it's come a long way. They're raising their own um, tiger fry now. So it seems like uh, it's headed in the right direction. Uh, Chapter 65 with Muskie zinc is really doing a lot of great things as far as, you know, taking care of the fishery and doing the studies. With nice. So out in
0: Washington, are are you still battling some of like this reservoir drawdown stuff, or is it just like different bodies of water out there?
2: You know, I mean that's that's just the nature of the beast. That those reservoirs were put there to uh, to provide water to the valley. So, you know, they're that. They're taking that water, and it's coming off the mountains, and it's filling up in the spring, and they're holding it, and they're utilizing that to take care of those. Um, those farmers the rest of the year and you know like ogden utah their secondary water all the lawn sprinkling all that stuff you know that's coming uh right out of pine view reservoir so it's it's just the nature of the beast you just have to be adaptive and uh, adjust
0: yeah because to me that that's almost i mean obviously i know what a reservoir is but around here like our reservoirs don't really seem to like really draw down um some of the ones that are you know we have They're not really reservoirs. They're flood control lakes from the Army Corps. But, you know, we do have reservoirs around here, but you kind of go there and just... Yeah, they might be down a little, but you just kind of think that that's, well, we haven't got a lot of rain. Um, Sure. Vance, have you noticed that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's... In the reservoirs that we fish, There's you do not notice a huge drop-off like that at all. Um, But they're also not... I don't really think that they're as... Uh, relied on as Brian was explaining the West ones uh, do with the surrounding communities. There's not a lot of draw off of them. Uh, If there was, uh, we would, we would certainly know that see that uh, water level fluctuation like, Hey, we're in 20 foot one day. And then, Oh my God, we're in five.
0: We have a really long boat ramp that,
1: you know, but, that yeah, is, is the boat ramp where you launch, Brian, are they pretty uh, lengthy to get down? Yeah, so that the like at, at Pineview where
2: I primarily fish there in Utah, um, you know, the main boat ramp there, you know, it it goes out into forty foot of water at high water. So, you know, that thing is extremely long and it's built for that. Um you're those guys are able to launch all year. Um in Washington they draw that reservoir down in the winter. And they're not able to launch. I mean, you you can't get a boat in the water. So even though like Lake Taps doesn't freeze, most of the winter, those guys aren't fishing. They can't get out. And that's essentially a, a big flooded forest. So you've got trees and timber coming all the way up. So in the winter, there's basically no fishing out there because you can't get a boat in and you couldn't get around if you could.
0: Does it freeze?
2: uh that lake taps does not typically freeze no
0: oh i was gonna say that sounds like a lot of fun
2: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
2: well and it's a really cool reservoir um they've got there i mean there's tons of flooded timber and there's there's timber i mean there's timber towering out of the water but i mean you can be in 60 foot of water and you're trolling these tops of these trees that are down you know 10 12 feet so it's kind of a, a unique scenario. I mean, it's similar to cave, if you've been to cave. I mean, there's, you know, the the flooded treetops, that type of thing. But there's unlimited amount of structure. You know, even some of those basins have timber towering up into them.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Eventually, that timber is going to go timber and fall and mm-hmm. rot. And-
2: Yeah. And they've cut a lot of it off. They've cut a lot of the tops, you know, for safety and and so that the boats can get around. There's a lot of, a lot of pleasure boaters out there. You know, there's not a lot of water, you know, coming from the Midwest. We have, we have water everywhere. You know, there's a lake everywhere. Well, that's not the case out there. You know, they don't have as much of that water. So, you know, all the pleasure boaters, all fishermen, they're all on those same bodies of water it gets really crowded
0: other than just putting up with it is do you have a secret to combating you know lake pressure not necessarily fishing but just sharing the lake
2: as far as sharing the lake you know not so much i mean i i fish so much water that gets so much pressure from pleasure boaters that it's just second nature i mean i get my planer boards run over all the time i mean guys are running over boards and You know, people are, are, you know, they're pulling up to you to ask what what you're dragging behind the boat. You know, Ryan has a funny story. A guy came up to him and told him, hey, you know, you're dragging your rod. (laughs) You know, he had his down rod out. You know, it's just guys don't know. They don't see that out there. And there's not as much musky pressure for sure. But as far as dealing with, like, the pleasure boat or stuff, I I don't know. You know, it's just just part of the game, I guess, to put up with it.
0: Yeah, so are you... You know, like what are your typical like fishing hours? Cause like how I, uh, combat pleasure boaters is either I go so early in the morning that no one would think to wake up or I don't go. <laughs> that's how I combat pleasure boaters.
2: Yeah. You know, I, it, it all varies for me. Um, I'm not afraid of fishing any hours. I, you know, I'll fish throughout the night. I'll, you know, that's what I do a lot on green Bay. We have a ton of fishing pressure. You know, I, I fish at night when I can, uh, but those tigers don't seem to respond well in the dark. They don't. They don't eat. It just doesn't seem like that we, we've ever never dialed in a really steady night bite. You know, we've caught some cast in bucktails, some high vibration stuff, but overall I, I, those tigers just shut down when that sun is down. They're about done. So that's not as much of an option on the tiger fisheries. But that is definitely something that I do. You know, inland Wisconsin. You know, I do a lot of night fishing.
0: Okay so as as the uh couple weeks of vacation from fishing to do go to go fishing ends you're going to be coming back to the midwest
2: yeah i'm back on green bay now and i'll be here for the next couple months for the most part
0: and you're just going to be doing like seasonal stuff you're gonna you know troll your summer patterns and then fade into fall you're going to start doing the fall stuff um Typically, like, what, what's a normal day if, if I was, like, your client? I, what am I going to expect?
2: Well, we typically, you know, it, it varies, again. It depends on what kind of trip they want to offer. I offer, um, You know, I offer a five-hour trip, eight-hour trip, 12-hour trip, and then I offer a grind trip, which is uh, 5 a.m. to midnight. So it kind of depends on what they want to do. But I typically start before sunup. I typically am at the boat ramp. You know, 4.45, 5 o'clock, both usually in the water. By the time the guys get there, they jump in. Um, it it kind of depends on my clients. I, I, I really like to tailor my trips to them. Um, I have some guys that really prefer to cast. I have some guys that, that really want to troll. And I have some that just like to catch fish. So it kind of, it varies. You know, right now we're doing a lot of combo trips. We're doing some casting and then, when I'm seeing that the guys are starting to get tired or they're not being real efficient or, or the fish aren't cooperating, um, we will go and do some trolling. So most of my trips in August are turn out to be combo trips. Little bit of casting, a little bit of training.
0: I gotta ask some questions about that grind trip option that you mm-hmm. uh just gave. How yeah. many people sign up for that? Uh it's pretty
2: popular. I mean, all it does, uh, a lot of travelers you know guys that are just in town for a day or two and, and they want to get that opportunity at a big fish um, what i like about it is you know you've got two photo periods in there you're gonna have a major for sure and you're gonna get a minor or two so it really gives you those that full spectrum of your moon phases to fish as well as both photo periods um, i have quite a few people that take it but it's you know, it's wearing, I mean, it wears on me, you know, I don't get a lot of sleep when that happens because, you know, I might not get off the water then till, you know, 11 o'clock. And, uh, you know, I got another trip starting at 4:30 or five the next morning. So it, it wears on me as well as it wears on the clients, but it, a lot of them are very successful. Um, you know, a lot of big fish have been caught on those grind trips and sometimes it's right away. And sometimes, you know, it's hour 16, you know, it happens.
0: Typically, when you do those grinds, do you have in the back of your mind, like, we're going to be out here long enough, we're going to get one?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, every day I'm, I'm always just looking for, for one good bite every day. That's, that's always my goal. I mean, uh, it's great when we get more than that, but every day I'm looking for one quality bite and, and a, you know, one good fish. It's, if I can go out every day and get one solid fish in the bag, um, I'm happy. So, Uh you know, those blind trips are no different. Um, It's really nice when you put a big one in the bag, at sunup. up. It takes the pressure off for the rest of the day.
0: Right. (laughs) It does. Now, do you, other than like muskies and stuff, do you offer like any like smallmouth or walleye trips or anything else? Or are you just a muskie guide?
2: You know, I really don't push a lot of that stuff. I do do some spring walleye stuff. I just, personally, my passion isn't there for it, and I just don't enjoy it as much. Um, I do have some clients that that love to walleye fish, and I do take them out. I do offer some winter brown trout stuff if I have time. Um, We fish browns here in the harbor. Uh, You know, I break ice in January and get them out there at the mouth of the river, um, and it's a lot of fun. I just don't always have the time to do it because January is pretty busy hunting for me. So I don't book a lot of those trips. If i if I'm around and I've got time, you know, I may offer up some dates for that. But overall, as far as the fishing goes, it's primarily muskies. That's just what trips my trigger.
0: Okay. So Vance, is there any, any fishing, any more fishing questions you have? Cause I'm going to start transitioning into fall.
1: I think I'm good.
0: Okay, so as musky fishing starts to fade, probably some of the you know I'm I, I'm not familiar with the with the migratory bird laws and stuff where you're hunting, but I imagine that that probably overlaps with the musky season a little bit. Yeah,
2: it does. The fall season certainly does. Um, you know, most of the fall waterfowl stuff opens September first. That's usually early goose. Um, I don't do as much of that as I used to. Uh, It's buggy. There's a lot of pressure and I'm still musky fishing. Um, I find most of my water following now I'm starting in October as we start to get the northern birds starting to move down into the United States. Um, I do a lot of traveling. I I spend a lot of time in the Dakotas. Um, I spend a lot of time following that migration, but the big the big run for me is in the spring we hunt spring snow geese and that's a so that's a conservation hunt Uh, there's there's no limit there's no plug required in the shotgun they're looking to reduce that population because they're just eating themselves out of house and home on the tundra there there's so many of them and the growing season is so short that they're actually just destroying their own habitat, and so they offer that spring hunt with no limit, and that's that's what I like to do. We chase them hard in the spring, and and I'll be guiding down in Arkansas again all spring. We do that every year. That's uh, we guide for about forty-five days straight down there. We run every day.
0: Okay, so you you go down to Arkansas, mm-hmm. and snow geese are just like big giant white birds and you can literally just shoot, you can pile them right up. Just as did you have to report any of these, are they trying to like track, like how many are actually killed or?
2: No, um, there's no limit, but they're not an easy thing to kill. It's it. They're very smart. They're extremely smart. Um, most people don't kill big numbers of them. And, and for that reason, that's, that's why our, our guide service has been fairly successful. We're, uh, we're pretty passionate about snow geese. We take it pretty seriously, and quite honestly, we're pretty good at it. So, we we're pretty good at putting our clients in the position for that hunt of a lifetime. And and I mean, a, a big snow goose hunt might be you know 500 geese in a morning. Um,
0: 500 killed.
2: Yep, yep, that's a big shoot. So, I mean, you know, I would say that that's certainly not the that's not the the general rule. I mean, if we shoot 100, that's a great day. But the opportunity is there that in the right situation, you don't have to stop shooting. We can kill as many as, as we can.
0: Okay. I, you probably get this a lot. What do you do with them? We
2: well, our clients are gonna take them in the spring. Um, but we also have a lot of donation stuff set up. We work with some local churches, uh, there's state run donation programs for hunters feeding the hungry. Um, we donate a bunch of them to different various church groups they do a uh, kind of similar deal um, food for the less fortunate so a lot of them end up getting donated but a lot of them go home on the clients um geese are, are good eating they're not uh, a lot of people uh, tend to think that goose isn't good uh Snogies are really good i eat them all year long so A lot of them uh, go into sausage products, you know, goose sausage, goose bacon, you know, everything like that. They they get eaten.
0: Any goose grease like Dwight Shroot? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's interesting. So if if your guys are knocking down 100 geese a day, it's just it it has to be a lot of trigger time. And then I imagine that you – then you like you breast them out or you 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 clean them all or do you just like open the back of the subi and kick them into the parking lot
2: (laughs) well so our our spring hunts are morning hunts um so the guides we scout every evening we drive around we see where the birds are, are roosting where they're coming out to feed and then we have to secure permission from the landowner to hunt it so every night we're doing that so that every morning we load our clients up. A lot of times we're leaving two, three, four in the morning and we're driving to the field. And, uh, you know, we're setting up decoy spreads of anywhere from 500 to 1,000 decoys in the morning before sunup. Um, when it gets light, the birds show up. We kill whatever we can kill. And our hunts are done usually um, certainly by noon. They're half-day hunts. So when we leave the field, Uh, We go back to the lodge. Our clients spend the afternoon um, doing whatever they want to do. They can do some fishing. um, They can clean birds. They take naps, whatever. Um, That's the time that they clean birds. Uh, We also offer a bird cleaning service for people that don't want to do it themselves. We hire somebody to clean them for them clean them and package
0: them. I imagine that's a lot of work.
2: It is. It is a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> get good at sharpening a knife?
2: Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so that's what you do in the spring, and then and then you, you get into May, so I'm kind of out of order. When do you draw the line for musky fishing slash, you know, waterfowl?
2: Well, I do it both until I do both until freeze up. So you know starting october i'll be doing both i'll be doing some hunting stuff and i'll be doing some fishing stuff still um november is the same i run a sea duck guide service here in wisconsin as well so i'll be doing some sea duck trips i'll be doing some musky sucker trips I'm still doing fall trolling as well um sometimes i do some evening fall trolling trips and then i'm up early in the morning to do deck hunts. so there's a lot of overlap um october november December is overlap. i'm doing waterfowl i'm doing big game or still musky fishing um it just kind of depends on what i where i'm gonna be and what i have
1: booked when okay how about the uh, the mushroom hunt? when does that happen
0: oh geez the mushroom so most,
2: most of the mushroom stuff the morels which are your most common everybody knows morel mushrooms that's a spring deal so That'll start in, uh, for me, it starts in late March, early April. I usually start down, you know, Oklahoma, Missouri, and then I work my way north. So, um, around where I live in Wisconsin, the morels are usually pretty prime uh, end of April, early May. Those uh, western burns, like in the high elevation burns, you know, I've picked morels in Idaho uh, into July. And so that's kind of a thing that as I get low on supply, if I've got orders for more, you know, I'll, I'll go wherever I think I need to go to, to get into the right season on mushrooms and in for a couple days and then come home again. So this year, I think I picked 10 or 12 states, um, started down in Arkansas and Oklahoma and then worked my way north, you know, Kansas, Missouri,
1: Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota now is there any regulations on those mushrooms because there is like a cult following for these things people really enjoy them
2: yeah there's there's different regulations it's it's usually based on on the state so that varies from state to state different states have rules uh, regarding selling regarding picking on private land versus public but for the most part it's pretty unregulated i mean if you're picking private land there's no limits there's not really any closed seasons or anything like that mushrooms kind of uh you know they they don't there's not really a lot of hard fast rules on where and when mushrooms go no. well when the conditions get right they grow um and there's wild edible mushrooms all year morels are the most common morels are what everybody knows but you know in the summer we're picking chanterelles uh, and lobster mushrooms in the fall we're picking, you know, hen of the woods, chicken of the woods. We're still getting some lobsters. We might be finding the last of the chanterelles. So our mushroom season goes from, you know, the end of March up until usually early October when we get our first freezes. Um, See, so that's something that I kind of do in between all of the rest of it. There isn't really a, it's not a dedicated, this is when I mushroom hunt. It kind of varies, but spring is the bulk of the morale season.
1: Delicious. Delicious.
2: They are amazing. They're one of my favorites.
0: How are you able to keep your schedule straight because before we talked mushrooms you had sea ducks, you had regular ducks, you had <laughs> musky fishing with suckers and stuff. Have you ever like thrown a sucker out while you're sitting there waiting for, you know, ducks to come in?
2: No, but I've caught walleye while waiting for ducks to come in. Well.
0: <laughs>
2: but I but I haven't done any musky fishing while I'm not coming. But there is some areas that you could certainly make that happen. You know? But, I, I, you know, I keep a calendar, and uh, it's it's a challenge, but it's like anything else. I am fairly organized in how I, I keep my calendar and my dates. And what I try to do is I try to set some time aside to do the stuff for me, the fun stuff that I want to do, or go check new stuff out. And then I try to dedicate other blocks of periods to to guiding and and making a living. And so, you know, I may guide for 18 days straight, and then I might take a four-day weekend and and run somewhere else and check out some new water and fish or or go visit a buddy or go do a duck hunt or whatever. So it's just, uh, to me, it's about following that balance and staying organized.
0: Tell you what, you're a busy guy.
2: I am, I am. But I like it that way. That's, yeah. That's what I like to do. The,
0: the 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 interesting thing was, you know, the amount that you talked about fishing and bird hunting, because you talked about turkeys and you talked about geese and ducks and all that, nowhere did I ever hear you say anything about deer hunting.
2: Yeah, I'm not that big of a deer hunter. Um, you know, I do a little bit. I do it for fun. I don't do any deer guiding. I don't do any big game guiding at all um deer hunting just has never been as exciting for me um you know sitting in a tree stand for me it's <laughs> my mind is just running of all the other things that I could be doing and and I do enjoy it and I, I enjoy getting out and doing some deer hunting I enjoy going out west and, and doing the elk hunting uh, my dad and I try to do a western you know hunt every year we've hunted elk we've hunted mule deer um, we, we didn't do it this year because of all the COVID stuff. It just, you know, we we weren't sure what was going to happen. And we just didn't plan anything. But typically, I have a big trip out west with him, and and I enjoy that. But it's it's not my my true passion.
0: That's that's a rare combination because it's really hard when there's big brown furry animals around. Oh, and,
2: guys love deer hunting. Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's neat. So. What I'm sure you have some really cool fishing stories. I'm putting you on the spot here because I didn't prep you for this one. Do you have any really cool story you want to share?
2: Boy, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I do. I'll tell you one. I just had uh, I just had a client out a couple weeks ago. Um, I got a call from a good friend of mine, Mike Olson. He runs a guide service here in Wisconsin as well. And, and he had called me and said, hey, I got this guy he called about a trip, I can't take him, um, I don't know if you're available, but it, he, he sounds like a nice guy, thank you to give him a call, so I talked to the guy, and I really wasn't available, I was, I was supposed to be going up to my buddy's cabin, I have a friend from Georgia that comes up every year, and we fish three days, and his whole family's changed and, and so I was going up to do that, I to this guy, and he he wanted to get his grandson on a muskie. His grandson is, a, you know, like a third generation muskie family. Grandpa's too old. He didn't feel like he could get him out. He's tried to take him, and they couldn't get him on any fish. And the kid had hired a couple other guides. They did two other guide trips, you know, didn't score. Would I take him out? And, you know, and I really, it was inconvenient, but I wanted to take him. I wanted to show the guys a good time. And so it, it happened that I was driving – through the area that they kind of were staying in. It wasn't going to be real far from there. So we agreed to do an evening trip, and, and it was a whole family. So it was a grandfather, it was his daughter, and then his two grandsons, which were also her nephews. So th- three generations of the family, yes. and I was able to get them out. I agreed to do an eight-hour trip for him, um, two till 10, which was pretty much dark. Um, I took him to a lake that I fished often always scored fish there. It seems like they like, you know, I always make good fish contact. Uh, the kid was, I've just, you know, I remember the excitement. He was so excited to get a muskie. He's been trying. He's, you know, he's going out at night off their pontoon. He's casting off the dock and he's just not, not contacting any fish. And, uh, we trolled all afternoon. And I mean, I just couldn't buy a bite. I, I marked some fish I made some changes. I just couldn't get them to eat. And and we just kept grinding and it got to be dark and we still didn't have a bite. And I could see the kid was crushed. And, you know, I told them, Hey, we're going to, I'll stay out as long as you guys can fish. We're going to get a bite. They're going to eat, you know, it's first dark. This is a great time. And they had to go. So we opted to go in. I said, well, you know, can we troll in? There's two more points I want to hit on the way in Yeah well i mean absolute last minute uh, the landing is in sight it's pitch black i pulled one of the rods we've still got two lines out because we're allowed max three there so we can run we can three lines and uh, i'm already started to pull lines on my way in, and then the rod goes off and he got his first fish and you know we put it in the bag and i mean the kid was so excited um he's he's tearing up. I mean, so emotional. I just remember that excitement of wanting it so bad and not being able to get it. And, you know, that, that was really rewarding for me. That's, that's what I like about guiding muskies. You know, those are the days that make you smile and, you know, that kid will remember that fish the rest of his life. So those are, those are moments that
0: I like. That you probably, that's it while you're doing it, you're probably freaking out inside, but looking back, that's how you want the story to end. Yep. Some, I mean, yeah, it's nice to get the easy fish, right? Right. But it, because it, like you said earlier, it takes the pressure off. But man, sometimes it's the one that you know. How big was that fish?
2: Uh, you know, it wasn't a big fish. I, I it was forty-one and change.
0: But, yeah, I mean, you know, that's still that's an above-average fish is nationwide.
2: Right. Um, and and you know how it is, you know that you you take it personally. You know, I I'm out there to to show these guys a good time. Yes, there's education involved, but at the end of the day, we want to put one in the bag. You know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's 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 a really cool, and that was recently you said.
2: Yeah, it was actually. Uh, let's see, that would have been end of June, end of June, okay. northern Wisconsin, right before, right before our water got really really warm, and and that was it. I mean, conditions were perfect. It was Mark and Fish where I thought I should be. I just, you know, you couldn't, I just couldn't get a bite. And I mean, that's how it goes. Um, and I beat myself up, you know, I'm always, oh, what can I do? What can I do? I got to get a bite. Um, it's nice when it comes together. Cause I'll tell you, there's been other times where you, know, you drive in without a bite. Okay. Let's go in. That's it. So it's nice when it pans out and it's, it's nice to be able to put a guy like that on that kind of memory. I mean, the whole family was there. I mean, I've never seen—I've never seen people so excited to get a muskie, and 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 they knew, you know, they they grew up fishing muskies. They they knew that it's not a guaranteed; it's not bass fishing. You're not going to go out and catch twenty every day. It's nice when it happens, but doesn't always happen.
0: When that rod went off, were you freaking out inside a little bit? Like, I hope this doesn't shake and get free
2: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and it was a great rip too you know so i i felt pretty good about it you know you just the way that fish was acting i i, I wasn't overly worried but it's always a wild card too when you have when you don't know the guys that's real in the fishing you just don't know what his skill level is so you're trying to coach him, and and it's tough in the dark too a lot of people are uncomfortable in the dark you know i live in the dark so it's not a big deal to me Um, but you know, they can't see what they're doing. You know, the fish is jumping out there and you can't, you can just barely see it. You know, it's a cool experience.
0: That's neat. I like it. You're a very busy guy. Very busy. Vance, do you have anything else you want to ask him?
1: Uh, I think I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for coming out on the show. Uh, you you do a lot of interesting stuff. Um and I wish you all the best and continued success, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me out. It was good talking with you.
0: Yeah, I mean okay. it's I, I have a I, I get I got this feeling inside me that's like we just scratched the surface on all this stuff that you're doing and it it uh you're every day you're out there getting it. So that's that's really cool to hear and you still got the drive because normally that sucks the life out of people going nonstop like that.
2: Well, you know, I think part of the key there is the fact that I, it's, I'm doing so much different stuff, and that's what I enjoy. That's what keeps it interesting for me. I, it doesn't get mundane. If it does, well, it's time to do something else for a couple of weeks. So like punch the time clock? That's kind of, clock? I guess, part of how I feel about it is that if I can keep doing different things and keep myself interested, that's, that's what it's all about to me.
0: Yeah. I don't see you sitting in a cubicle too too much.
2: No, that that wasn't for me. No.
0: Interesting. Well, uh, where can everyone find you?
2: Uh, you can find me on my website, net. That's K L E I N, outdoors. Uh, you can always find me on social media um, Facebook, Brian J. Klein. I also have a business page for Klein Outdoors. And uh, certainly, Instagram probably has my most up to date stuff. And uh, that's Klein Outdoors on Instagram.
0: Very nice. I appreciate you taking this time to uh, kind of fill the uh, little audience here that we have uh, in with what you do. And, you know, hopefully you get a couple more followers and maybe uh, a trip or two out of this. That'd be great.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
0: All right. And with that, um, big thanks to Fat Easy Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Saint Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vicks Marine, and Muskies Inc. And uh all right, guys, it's middle August. It's fall's gonna be here soon. Water hopefully is gonna be cooling off, so good luck fishing, thanks for listening.